Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bucklew. Hello, friends, and welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you for joining me again in another episode. If you are new to our podcast, welcome to our podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here uh, listening or watching. We would love to stay in touch with you guys. And in order to do that, just make sure that you go and follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And you can do that by going on the link here on the description. And also don't forget to subscribe from wherever you're listening from. Or if you're watching on YouTube, just subscribe. And then you'll be notified whenever we release a new episode. And as many of you know, I have mentioned before that now our podcast, we are releasing a new episode every other Tuesday. So we are posting a new episode every other Tuesday at 9 a.m. And today we do have another special guest. Uh, we're recording this through Zoom. Uh, I actually met him during Shepherd's Conference as well. So if you remember the previous episode with Jim, uh, I met the two of them during the Shepherd's Conference uh, where Andrea and I, um, you know, Andrea, Andrea, it's my dear friend who has been helping us with uh, sound for the podcast and so many other things. Andrea and I had the chance just to help them out with an interview. I met Josh and then I met Jim and then I told him, hey, I would love to have you guys on the podcast. And well, I like you guys, we will be getting to know Josh today, a little bit more about him and his testimony of salvation. So thank you again, friends, for uh, supporting our podcast by listening or watching. Uh, don't forget to share with your friends and family. That will be a huge help to us. And I hope that this may be a blessing to you. And here's my conversation with Josh. All right, friends. So I am here with Josh. Please help me welcome Josh. <laughs> hey, Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you again. Uh, I know that I said thank you before we started recording, but thank you again for joining me on our podcast. I, I actually, in the beginning, I did a little introduction about how we met, <laughs> um, <laughs> met during Shepherd's Conference. And um, I also had Jim. So J Jim's episode will be released before this one. So you were Perfect. just telling me that you're both go to the same church and everything. So I'm hoping to hear more of your sign out <laughs> of what you do in his church as well in a little bit. But yeah, just thank you so much for, for taking the time to join me on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I, I've, uh, I have to admit, I think this is actually my first interview. So, I mean, this is a first for me too. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yay. I get to be the first one. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Every uh, person that we get on the podcast, I always say, you know, like everyone has a different story, different background, right. ethnicity, whatever it is. But we all come to one main point, like we are all united by one person, and that is Jesus mm. Christ, right? So he Amen. is the yeah. main character of all of our stories. Like he is the one who gets the, the praise and the glory for just the work that the Lord has done in our life. And I'm excited to hear your story today. So yeah, thank you again. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. So I normally like to have my guests just to begin with giving us a little background about their upbringing, you know, like your family, where were you born, uh, where you raised in a believing home, share as much information as you like. <laughs> I won't okay. stop you. So yeah. So just, uh, yeah. So if you can get it started with that. Absolutely. Well, I am the oldest of six boys. Um, my mom is a saint for raising uh, six men and my dad, my dad too. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, and in the early 1980s, my, it was me and my younger brother and my parents. And we moved from Ohio to Indiana so that my father could attend a Bible college out there in Indiana. Um, he did not grow up in a Christian home. My mom did. Uh, but my dad had a pretty rough upbringing. And so mm -hmm. he came to know the Lord when he was a teenager at a uh, church camp. And he met my mom and they got married and started uh, going to church together. And uh, shortly after that, me and my brother come along and they're moving to Ohio because the pastor of that church said, if you want to be a pastor, which my dad did at the time, you need to go to Bible college. And so he picked our family up and we moved to Northwest Indiana. Um, and I grew up in a, 
uh, independent fundamental King James only Baptist home. <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah. Uh, and not only that, but we grew up in the largest independent fundamental Baptist church in the world. Uh, and it was a mega church, I guess you could call it. Wow. We had probably, um, anywhere from 5,000 to 14,000, depending on how many people came in on buses and, uh, different things. It was, you may or may not have heard the name, but, uh, Jack Hiles was the pastor and he, um, was, had a Bible college out there that my parents wanted to go to. And so since I was, I, we moved out there when I was four. Um, and I went to a Christian school ever since I was in kindergarten, all the way up to 12th grade. Unfortunately, at the time, I didn't know this because you don't know what you don't know. You're in the middle of it and you just don't have it. You don't have an idea really of how certain things are. But looking back, you realize that a lot of things um, that we were brought up in regarding salvation was easy believism. Um, I don't want to go as far as saying it was one, two, three, pray after me, but I did <laughs> see some of that firsthand um, myself. But as a general rule, um, that was not something that I would say is, was commonly practiced. Um, but that being said, there's something in growing up in those environments that when you become a certain age, you know, somewhere between five and seven years old in that neighborhood, it's almost expected um, as a child that you're going to walk an aisle and, and have this profession of faith and pray the sinner's prayer and ask Jesus in your heart and then get baptized, right? Mm-hmm. So th- that was no different for me. Um, and in fact, you know, if it doesn't happen by the time you're seven, eight, nine years old or so, people start to wonder what's going on. Right? <laughs> you know, you're a little behind. You need to get caught up here. Um, and uh, but that was that was me. I was I was five years old. Um, July 13th, 1985. I still remember the date for some reason, because back then, you know, for us, it was ingrained into us to, you know, you write the date down in your Bible. And so I had this, this assumption, I guess, throughout my childhood and throughout my um, early adult life, that I was a believer. Mm. And that I was that I was saved. And um, all of my brothers repeated the same steps that I did. Um, Of course, being the oldest, um, I I wouldn't even say that they, they did it because I did it as following Mm. their older brother. It was just, it was the culture. Um, there that, at that church, I've heard more sermons than I can care to count. Um, I mean, three three times a week just on at church. Um, plus, went to a Christian school that had chapel at least anywhere from one to three days a week. Um, then I went to the same Bible college there that my, my dad did, and they had chapel every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I I've heard thousands, if not tens of thousands, of sermons throughout my my life. Um, before I truly came to saving faith. Fast forward a little bit. I meet my wife. At this point, I'm no longer living in Indiana. I'm living in Ohio. And I meet my wife and we get married or uh, yeah, we get married and we move out to Idaho. When we were dating, she would tell the story how that I would talk to her about um, things about church and God. and, And she grew up um, American Baptist, and I grew up fundamental Baptist. And there was a period of time that I was going to a uh, non-denominational church because I was so done with the IFB movement. Um, I was very disenfranchised with church. Um, and I, I just wanted to basically do church on my own terms. And so I was, I was at a church for a period of time that was very seeker sensitive, um, very shallow. Mm. And my wife uh, would visit that church and would ask me, how in the world can you even consider that church when the pastor didn't even open his Bible? He just sat down behind a a little table and had a chat. (laughs) Um, And, you know, things like that were said. and, And throughout our dating life, I would always come back with, you and I are more alike than than we aren't. Um, don't worry about it. It's fine. You know, we're, we're more alike than you think we are. Mm-hmm. And she was under the assumption and I was too, uh, for all, for all, uh, apparent reasons that I was a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, cause in my mind, I, I had prayed that prayer and, um, 
And in hindsight, you know, this is a little bit of a, of a side sidestep, but I remember when we were being trained as high schoolers, because we would go um, on bus routes and, and uh, visitation and things like that. And, and we were, I remember being told now, now when you, when you witness to somebody and you pray with them, you know, make sure they understand it's not some magic words that they're saying and that this, it's the prayer, you know, the prayer doesn't save them. Right. And, but yet in reality, that's kind of how a lot of people took that. Um, they said that they didn't, but their actions said otherwise. And so, yeah. um, so for me, I, I just assumed, you know, I've, I've prayed this prayer. I'm good. I've heard enough church. I know all that I need to know. In fact, when we got married, my wife, my wife and I, um, first started going to a, a, a different church before I met um, Jim and, and started going to Kootenai. Um, and it was a Baptist church here in this, in this state, in this hometown where we are now. I had no desire to go to Sunday school. I had no desire to really do anything extra. I was just, just kind of cruising through life. And, and my wife asked me about it one day and I said, why do I need to go to Sunday school when I already know what they're going to say? And I've already heard it all and I don't really need to you know, mm. waste that time. Mm-hmm. Um, because let's just be honest, I'm going to go and sit down and probably play on my phone anyhow. So <laughs> I don't need to, you know, need to waste that time. Right. And that kind of just made her really, you know, tilt her head, like something's just not right with, with him on that, but nobody, neither one of us really knew what it was about that time, um, that through a series of events that I, I won't really go into here, but I was, we were looking to, to go to a different church. Um, my wife was already ready to leave probably six months before I was. Um, we had just led a missions trip to Honduras with this church. And then two weeks after we come back, we are getting, getting ready to basically leave and go somewhere wow. else. And this is a small church. So, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. It's not like it's a big enough church where you can kind of get lost in the crowd. This was a relatively small church. And so that was a pretty big shock to the pastor and uh, the, the local body there through that course of event or through those course of events, I started hearing about different people from this very church that we were at leaving, going to another church in the area called Kootenai community church um, by a pastor named Jim Osmond. And uh, but you don't want to go there because they're a bunch of Calvinists. And I said, well, of course you don't, you don't want to do that. That would be, that'd be wrong. It'd be horrible. <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, me and another guy uh, were kind of going through having this dilemma back and forth, trying to figure out what we should do. And we ended up contacting Jim and meeting him for breakfast one morning, just to kind of have a conversation. And through that conversation, um, you know, we probably had had close to half a dozen families leave this church and join Kootenai over the, probably the last 18 months. And I asked Jim right out the gate, I said, rumor has it you're Calvinist. Is that true? And he, he kind of looked at me and he goes, well, what do you mean by Calvinist? And I said, uh, <laughs> I have <Yeah>. no idea. <laughs> and, you know, come to find out it was, it was just a label. Uh, that people used. And I, I had heard some things, but I wasn't quite sure. So I didn't really know. And so it was around that time that I started listening to R.C. Sproul's What is Reformed Theology uh, series. And it really started opening my eyes to not just the doctrines of grace, but um, ultimately just a, how a wretched, depraved person I was. So we started attending Kootenai Church and at the time, um, somebody who you may, may know, uh, Justin Peters, was going to that church. Mm. And um, my wife and his wife struck up a conversation and, and became friends. And Justin and I had talked a few times and started to get to know each other. And before we knew it, we were over at their house one night. And I was helping him with some tech issues with his computers and different things. And and Kathy, his wife, and my wife were off doing other things and just talking, having a good time. And we had dinner and, and we were headed home. Well, my wife on the way home said, what would you say about doing a Bible study over at Justin and Kathy's house every week? And I said, absolutely, sure. At this point, I kind of knew who Justin was, but I wasn't really 
I didn't quite know who he was or the extent of his ministry. I had a general idea, but I didn't really follow it or anything like that. But I just thought I'm going to, you know, basically go to a some evangelist's home and have a Bible study. Well, Justin wanted to do a Bible study on the doctrines of grace, which I felt was fitting because I was going through um, RC's uh, series at that point. I don't know exactly when it, when it, it happened, but it was through that Bible study and mentorship through uh, with Justin and his wife, with me and my wife that, and I would say in addition to deep theological preaching um, at, at Kootenai church, it's, there's something unique and maybe this happens at grace. I, I'm not sure, but whenever you come to Kootenai, it's not one of those things um, that you, you know, a date, you know, what was taught or, you know, what part of scripture you came in on because Jim preaches verse by verse by verse by verse. Yeah. And for, for me, it was when Judas betrayed Christ at the, or when he was at the last supper and, and was off to betray Christ. And I remember just how vivid that, that story was and how, how incredibly deep and just thorough uh, Jim was that morning. And one of the other elders had taught Sunday school that morning and, and it was in first Corinthians. That's all I can remember. But I mean, it was, I, I just was sitting there completely glued to what was being said because I never heard this style of exposition before. I had never heard expositional preaching before period, mm-hmm. but through the teaching at our church, through the uh, research that I was doing uh, on reform theology through R.C. Sproul and others like Steve Lawson and, and um, Sinclair Ferguson, and then doing a Bible study with Justin on the doctrines of grace, that effort somewhere along the way, my life was turned upside down. I told Justin, I, I said, you know, my life, my affections have changed. My desires have changed. Everything about me has changed to the where I cannot get enough. I am like a dehydrated sponge under a fire hydrant (laughs) and I just can't soak it up fast enough. And I said, I don't, I I don't, I don't even know what to to say or how to explain it. I just know things are different. Mm -hmm. And Justin and the way that only he can (laughs) said in a little Mississippi draw, (laughs) well, well, brother, you got saved (laughs) (laughs) and it took me a minute to realize what he was saying. Um, And he said, he's like, I had a similar experience growing up in a Southern Baptist church. And, you know, it wasn't until many years later, I think he said it was after seminary that he came to true saving faith. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we had a similar connection in that regard, but um, I was 35 or so. 30 between 33 and 30 I can't remember exactly but it was in my mid-30s when I truly came to saving faith and and then um it all was crystal clear um I remember and it was actually in March in fact it was um March 28th which was yesterday it was probably four or five years ago yesterday because yeah uh March 28th is my grandmother's birthday and I just remember that date for some reason <laughs> but i remember sitting here in my office and just uncontrollably sobbing because of the realization that i was this depraved wretched sinner that god the father from eternity past had chosen me to give me as a love gift to his son jesus christ and he died for me. And, and just that doctrine alone of election became so real and so, so humbling mm-hmm. that, um, I mean, truly, you know, by grace, are you saved through faith and not of yourself. You have nothing to contribute except the sin that made it necessary as, <laughs> as RC and others have said, just realizing all of those things through that process where here I thought I was, 
I was saved. I was in like Flynn. I was in by the skin of my teeth kind of a thing. Um, and then having that realization that I was more lost than I ever realized and how that process worked out to completely my wife. I think the biggest compliment for me is hearing my wife talk about just the change that she noticed and saw in me um, in that period of time from, in her words, being a better husband to her, um, Mm -hmm. being a stronger spiritual leader in our home, actually caring about the things of God and um, taking lead on that. Um, And looking back, I can see a remarkable difference uh, in my life. And so it was a hard moment because, you know, I'm, I'm having this, this conversation with Justin about how I was, you know, converted and I'm still wrapping my head around that. And he said, well, he's like, so when are you going to get baptized? <laughs> and I said, I've already been baptized. He said, not, not biblically. You have it. <laughs> I said, Oh man, I'm, you know, mid thirties and I'm going to go get that. I'm like, you know what? I said, uh, okay. You know, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm not going to uh, fight that at all. So our church did a, a, um, a, a baptism at a uh, summer camp that we do once a year and, and Jim uh, baptized me. But wow. uh, it, was, it was interesting because, you know, my family, my mom and dad especially are still very much involved in the fundamental Baptist movement mm-hmm. and having that conversation with them, because me, when you become a new creature in Christ, you know, one of the first things I think most people want to do is tell somebody, you Mm -hmm. know, and for me, it was, I want to tell my family, but how is that going to work? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I knew there was at this point in my, in my life, there had already been some conversations about um, the doctrines of grace and, you know, all these things and how that clashes with the fundamental Baptist. And so Mm -hmm. I knew there was a little bit of tension there, but at the end of the day, I knew my parents, you know, love me. And if this is something I really believe that I, you know, had come to saving faith, they're not going to um, ridicule me too much. They might say, well, you know, I'm sure that's what you think, Josh, but we remember when, you know, and sure enough, um, in some ways, they didn't um, patronize me or ridicule me necessarily, but they made some underhanded comments that led me to, you know, that alluded to that, I guess you could say, you know, Mm -hmm. I remember when you prayed that prayer and went forward because son, I also had a reassurance of my salvation that night when you got saved. Mm -hmm. There's a lot there that I just said that we're not going to unpack right now, but reassurance. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. So that means you've had assurance once, but anyway, so, and I'm, I'm looking at that going, well, I, I, I don't really know what else to tell you other than my life is different and it's changed and, um, and I'm going to be baptized in uh, a few weeks. Well, to show you the impact that it had on my family, um, we're driving to my baptism on that, on that Saturday. And I get a call from my parents needing tech support <laughs> on, on their, on their, on their printer. So oh, to them, it was wow. completely not even anything on their radar. It was like, yeah, 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 whatever. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was, that's, I guess you could say a relatively condensed version of, of, um, how I grew up and how I thought I was saved and really wasn't to where I am today and, um, all to the glory of Christ. Yeah. So, and I know that you've touched a little bit, you know, about how your life changed and all of that, mm-hmm. but uh, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit more about how would you describe yourself before your through, uh, you know, true saving faith in Jesus, Sure. you know, compared to then when that moment happened in your life, you know, that you finally understood your depravity and just like sinfulness and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple things, there was this arrogance or cockiness or whatever you want to say that, you know, growing up in the environment that I grew up in, where we were just, I mean, browbeaten with, with um, preaching and, and uh, teaching uh, Christian teaching my whole life. Um, 
you you think you know it all you or you think you know enough mm-hmm. and in contrast now um i almost get anxiety thinking of how much i don't know <laughs> um because it's there's just there's so many rich doctrinal truths out there that you could never explore the depths um and so the, the love that i have for christ the love that i have for the church the love that i have for his word for uh anything relating to to god um is 180 degrees different than what it was um the conviction that i feel now um there i remember prior to having saving faith hearing somebody take the lord's name in vain was not it was just another day at the park you know another whatever mm-hmm. now i hear it and it is almost like somebody just hits me right in the chest um it's it is so convicting and so like, oh, don't say that. Do you understand the gravity of what you are saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and beforehand, things like that never really bothered me as much, even though I knew that they were probably you know inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say the conviction of sin and the reality of what that is uh, mm-hmm. to a holy God. Um, and just the the complete difference in the desires of my heart and um, how I want to live my life and how I want to serve God. Um, those those areas have all uh, been completely changed. Yeah, I mean, and even like when you mentioned before that even your own <laughs> wife, uh, she noticed the change in your life, and you know, like that's what happens when someone has been truly saved that everyone around you, you shouldn't even tell them that you're a Christian because they see something different. You know, it's different from anything that we see in the world. We're not saying that we're perfect and that we're doing everything perfectly because we're not, we're still sin and we are still in this, you know, sinful body, (laughs) you know, and, and, and we struggle and we know that the Lord is still sanctifying us and we won't, you know, be perfect until the day that we go to see, to be with the Lord finally. So, and then after that, uh, because you also said that um, before you didn't have any desire to go like to church and like, I'm going to be listening to the same thing, you know, that I heard before, which I understand, you know, like mm-hmm. um, coming from my background too, I will think, you know, race as a Catholic, it's like, oh, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to hear the same thing that I heard probably, I don't know, last week or or who knows, you know, right. so you just got to go because you just have to go like you're being forced to go. <laughs> yeah, it becomes a ritual almost. You, know, yes. you go to church yes. because you're supposed to. Well, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how did that desire change? Like, you know, like once the Lord find, like truly saved you, mm-hmm. what was that process for you? Like, you know, like your interest, what you, what, did you get involved in the church? Like, what were you doing? Who were you surrounding sure. yourself with and things like that? Yeah. Sure. So, um, you know, I've always, um, I've always had a heart for helping others. Um, so that part of my life didn't change a whole lot. Um, but getting involved in the church to where, you know, I remember waking up on Sundays and I dreaded the day. Um, now it's more of a, something you look forward to every week. Um, beforehand I would serve in the church with, um, whether I was, I was helping running sound or maybe something with media or something in music or, um, you know, pick a, pick a department, you know, there was nothing really, I, I, I wasn't afraid to help out in or do, but, but being truly converted and saved and knowing that, you know, Christ has given us each gifts in which we can use to uh, edify the body and, and to, uh, to bless people uh, in our, in our congregation with, there are several areas, I, I guess you could say that um, I probably overextend myself. Let's just be honest, but I, I do it out of, out of joy and service, knowing that 
it's not necessarily what I'm doing, but who I'm doing it for and who I'm representing. Before I uh, was asked to take over music at our church, um, I was running sound and doing media. Jim had asked me through a, f- a few series of events if I would be willing to um, pr- help in music, help lead. And I said, uh, yeah, that's not something I really want to do, but I'll do it. <laughs> I don't like getting in front of people and singing by myself, right, um, or <laughs> leading music. So, um, But it's amazing because that fear that I used to have, uh, it's non-existent now. Um, I don't even have it. I don't even think about it. I might get a little bit of uh, butterflies or something in my stomach before, the me- <laughs> before Sunday, but that's just because I, I don't want to do a bad job. You know, I want yeah. to do the best I can to, you know, bring our congregation to, you know, rightful worship of a holy God. And, and that is a huge responsibility um, for that I, that I carry and I take it seriously. Before we did that, you know, he asked, I was doing these other duties and he asked me if I would do music and, and my wife, she's the unsung hero in that story because she uh, was v- strongly encouraging me <laughs> to do it. Um, I have a little bit of a perfectionist um, attitude and, and personality. And so mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a OCD disorder, maybe, where <laughs> I'm very particular about certain things. <laughs> and so um, anything I do, I typically have a very ordered uh, way of doing it. And so, and I think that was probably what my wife was in some ways thinking about music. You know, this, the structure needs to be put in place and you would be great at it. And and so she really encouraged me to do it. And, um, and so, you know, I didn't even pray about it. You know, to me, I think, you know, people say, well, I'll pray about it. That's just a, a staple, you know, Baptist answer, in my opinion. You know, what's there to pray about? You're serving the Lord and you're serving the church. Just do it. And, and that was, you know, kind of what what we did. And and so it's become a labor of love. And it has uh, blessed me in many ways, to the point to where, you know, I'm reminded, you know, Justin would say this to me a few times. You have an audience of one doesn't matter who's out there. doesn't matter who's, you know, who came to church today or, you know, he's like, whoever it is, doesn't matter. You, you're not there for them. You have an audience of one and that's Christ. And, mm-hmm. and your job is to, is to bring that atmosphere into, into your church and, and to worship Christ as he is to be worshiped. And, and if you go up to the platform and you sing and you mess up, so what? You know, you're, you're, you just give the best you can and let Christ work, use it however he sees fit. And, and so um, that mentality, I think, has been different for me, knowing who we represent, who we are doing things for. It's not for, oh, look at me, I'm singing today, or look at me, I built this, or I did this for the church, or I did that. Um, and it's easy sometimes, I think, for people to fall in that trap. I saw that quite a bit in my upbringing and, and the church that I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we have that humbling spirit of Lord, this is not about me. This is not about anybody, but you, and I, I'm asking that you use me as you see fit for your glory. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to mess it up. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's been freeing in that sense for me and, and has allowed me to, to, um, to do my best of, of the ability that Christ has given me to uh, prepare the services on Sunday and, and all the other things that we, that, and that we serve in our church, not just music, but it's just an attitude of this is for Christ. Um, use me how you see fit. And I don't have a clue how you're going to make this work or how you're going to use this for anything, but that's not my job. That's, 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 you know, something that you're going to take care of. Yeah. So, so you are leading worship then at your church, which is where um, Jim is pastoring this church in Idaho again, right? Correct. All right. So, Correct. and are there, uh, what are other ministries? Because you said that you have like other ministries that you do oh. at the church and like, what are their ministries and like, what do you do for a living to <laughs> like, you know, cause it's not, I guess I, I was reading you also do other things other than yeah. serving at the church. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a few things I do um, with with our church specifically, and so by by trade or my tent making job, I guess you could say is I do web and graphic design. Um, I've um, designed book covers for 
Christian authors, uh, Jim being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I even designed uh, a book cover for Fred Butler, who goes to Ural's church and works at Grace um, and do work for different parachurch ministries. Um, and also for our church, I uh, take care of our church website and uh, do the podcast for our church. Um, our, our church is, is, an, is an incredible church um, in the fact that I think we have 35 podcasts, uh, if I'm not mistaken, because, you know, as you're well aware with, with grace, you know, verse by verse is verse by verse and it's an entire <laughs> book. And, and I mean, Jim spent seven years in the book of John, you know, 305 wow. sermons. And so I've got, you know, each book is its own podcast. And so I, I, I maintain that, um, and so you basically um, do like the posting and all the stuff, like updating like the podcast and making sure that everything goes out. Right. And also updating anything with like maintaining like the website and things like that also. Right. Okay. Yep. All the technical yeah, stuff. Yeah. The, more of the technical things. And, and there's a few other uh, men in the church that uh, do help with different aspects of the site. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but as far as uh, uh, maintain the podcast and, and things of that nature, some of the technical things we, we, you know, we've got some blessed uh, individuals in our church that are very smart technically mm-hmm. um, more, more so than me. And I, I don't get in their way. I let them do what they're, what they're good at, but, but we work well as a team and we're just as a congregational body are just blessed beyond measure um, and are thrilled to serve in the capacities that we do. Wow. And, and then for work, so that's like for work also, you do like graphic yeah. design and all of that as well. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've had a web design business for about 20 years okay. uh, in web hosting and, um, and graphic design and, uh, Oh, just about anything technical. It seems like I've, I've kind of dabbled my, my hand into the only thing I really, uh, haven't played with much is video editing and, uh, animation, which is why I enlisted, uh, the help of you and some of your friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something that I was like, yeah, we need to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you normally help Justin too, with like uh, his channel and stuff like that? Yeah. His ministry is one of the ministries that I, that I uh, do some work for. Um, there's okay. another gentleman in our church who also does uh, some of his website work and social media and things of that nature. But um, I, uh, help some on the website and uh, do a lot of uh, some, the technical things that Justin's not as familiar with, uh, or he doesn't have the time or need to spend the time on it because he's busy <laughs> doing more important things. Um, so yeah, I, I uh, have helped him now for, oh my, it's probably been about seven years, I'd say. Okay. So. And what is the name of the, do you guys have like the name, a uh, different name for the podcast that you said, like for your church in case anyone wants to Oh, it's it a, just Kootenai Community Church Podcast and Kootenai is K-O-O-T-E-N-A-I. It's kind of a, it's a funny Indian name, but um, yeah, it's, I was uh, a little, uh, like I, I didn't even try to say the name when, <laughs> when I, know, I was it doing is kind that of funny with... trying to pronounce it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I will just not say it because I tend to butcher a lot of the words. <laughs> and that was one of them that I was like, oh, I don't want to say it wrong. <laughs> yeah, or if you just look up Jim Osmond's name uh, on any of the podcasts that he's tagged in all of them, so you'll see it. It's easier to remember that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure also to uh, to look it up on social media and then I will put it in the description here. So it's the easiest oh, way so they can just go yeah. directly there so I can do that. Yeah, for sure. Great. Yeah. All right. So how about we get to our signature questions for the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So do you have any uh, favorite books or um, any books that have been helpful to you? Yeah. So um, I'm cheating a little bit here because, you know, I'm I'm promoting Jim Osmond's books here Uh, that that I designed, but he wrote and uh, he's buying me a steak dinner every time I mention them on on the podcast. So (laughs) God doesn't whisper. I'm kidding. Uh, no actually no. we talked about it because guess what two of his books they were translated to spanish yeah, yeah. i was looking at him you know looking it out because i remember that you told me when we first met oh yeah he's like the you know he's the pastor and the author and, and all those things <laughs> and i remember pastor john also uh signing his newer yeah. book uh god doesn't whisper that's right yeah he wrote Something. the forward uh john wrote yes. the forward in that book and um yeah. that was a huge uh 
that was probably one of Jim's um, uh, highlights of his life. I think. I mean, yeah. John is somebody who is just um, well respected and a faithful servant. Um, one that uh, any Christian man definitely could could emulate um, as he emulates Christ. I mean, he um, he has a, a incredible track record, and um, we're just grateful for his ministry. But as far as books, you know, speaking of John, um, you know, when I first with my um, experience and uh, as far as sal- salvifically. Um, mm-hmm. The book that John wrote, uh, The Gospel According to Jesus, mm. was a very impactful book for me. Um, in fact, so impactful, you know, because he, he even mentions it in the book about, you know, Matthew 7 is in the Bible, you know, where, <laughs> Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Depart from me. I never knew you. I mean, that is terrifying. Yeah. And, um and I remember thinking to myself, that was, that was, that would have been me. Um, I, I thought I knew all the answers. I thought I was saved. I thought I was, I was a believer. And I have, I would say the majority of my brothers are just as educated as I am in that regard. Um, but they are pagan. Um, or if they're not, outright pagan, they are strongly deceived. Um, and like I was, and so I, I ended up buying that book, um, along with the MacArthur study Bible and sent it to all my brothers with a note, you know, imploring them to read both, (laughs) uh, because it was so impactful to me, um, and, and what he wrote and, and along those lines, uh, do not hinder them by Justin, uh, Peters, you know, talks about, early childhood conversions and, and some of the dangers that that, um, entails, uh, mm-hmm. that was right up my alley too. Both of those books work well together, I think personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I would say probably, um, if you would count this as a book that you would read, which I did because I did it as a devotion or like my devotional every morning was RC Sproul's commentary on Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would read that. It took me probably a good year to get through it, but um, the way he, he, he just breaks, breaks it down. I, I, I couldn't get enough of that, of that book. All right. Perfect. Uh, and what are three things that brings you joy? <laughs> three things, <laughs> three things bring me joy. Um, I would say, uh, probably stating the obvious, but my wife and the things that we get to do together and, um, ex- she's a, explorer by heart and so um there is no mountain tall enough that she won't climb and uh and i'm usually lagging behind her but uh she she likes the outdoors we both do and and i relish every moment we can to spend that uh, time together i would say also with probably touching we touched on music and theology throughout the the this podcast and sound sound worship music theologically sound worship music i know that sounds kind of funny but music is so powerful on so many levels Mm -hmm. um and the the lyrics i mean obviously the music itself is is powerful and that could be an entire discussion but the lyrics are so important um, that they are doctrinally solid and not um some uh nar uh, music group or um, Hillsong Bethel types, um, and having sound theology by, um, sound worship, um, ministries. And I would say proper theology and, and just digging deep in Christ, those things coupled together, sound music and sound theology. Um, for me, it just, it just warms my heart. I mean, um, I'm not really an emotional person. Um, as far as, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, crying all the time or anything like that, but, you know, ever since, ever since, um, I was truly saved, my emotion has changed, um, because I realized just how wretched I was and just how by God's grace that my eyes were open to his truth. And, you know, I, I came to saving faith when I very easily could, could not have. Um, 
and just how um, how meaningful and impactful that is to me uh, when we sing songs like He Will Hold Me Fast or Oh Lord, My Rock and My Redeemer. Um, it's it's hard sometimes for me to even lead congregational music because I get so gripped by that. Um, and, and it's very meaningful and it's also very joyful for, uh, to me, um, those, those things. And I would say by me on the lighter side, um, being the oldest of six, I had to learn how to cook. So I, uh, it's my downtime. It's my therapeutic time to, you know, I do all the cooking here, um, because I love doing it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I, I like to cook. It's very therapeutic and it does bring me joy because I like to eat food. So, I mean, who doesn't like that? Right. I love food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, for, um, if anyone also who might be listening and if they're not believers, we talked about, you know, uh, just like remembering our own lives, remembering where we were before Christ and where we are today. Um, it's not just telling like a simple story or just, just a story. It's not just a story. It's a story of hope and it's a story of, of redemption. It's, it's a story where, uh, you know, we have all come to the knowledge and, 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 and feeling the guilt and uh, sorrow over uh, our sins, knowing that someone who was perfect and holy died in our place. And so my next question to you is, why do we need Jesus Christ? Well, uh, you know, simply without him, we truly have nothing more than rightly deserved eternal damnation. When you start to realize the holiness of God and how the smallest, little, tiniest infraction of a sin that you might commit is so offensive and rightfully deserving for you to spend an eternity in hell for just that smallest, tiniest infraction. To me, I I guess as a believer, and I could say in hindsight, I guess, uh, would would keep me up at night. That would would terrify me. Um, Knowing that one day um, we are all going to have a, a, a time where we're going to stand before God. There was a song uh, by Sovereign Grace, Have Mercy on Me. Mm. If you would count everything that I've done wrong, oh, God, who could stand? And that, to me, is terrifying and awesome at the same time, because I know that because of Christ, those wrongs aren't going to be counted against me. This is what I was talking about earlier. I don't get emotional, but I start reading these <laughs> these deep theologically sound lyrics that are mm-hmm. scriptural. You know, uh, man, it's gets you right to the heart. Yeah. And um, so I would say that we need Jesus because we need a savior. Mm-hmm. We need a savior from our sin. We need a savior from hell. And he provides, he provides both. Amen. Oh, thank you so, so much, Josh, just for, um, sharing that and also for uh, being willing, you know, to uh, share your testimony of salvation. And um, I think that is something so amazing that the Lord just does right in our hearts is just to be sensitive to and love his word, but also to know what we have been safe safe from, but right. we have been safe too also because we will we know that our hope um lies on that that we will be with Christ forever. Uh yeah. nothing can separate us from the love of God, nothing of this world or anything to come. And um I think that it's just I pray that anyone who will listen to 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 any of the testimonies that we share here that they will go to their you know to sleep at night with that hope. But you can't unless, you know, we repent and, and confess our sins to the, to, to the Lord and turn away from, from the life and, uh, and follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, right? So it's, right. Um, knowledge won't save you. <laughs> knowledge doesn't save anyone. You know, you, you probably know. That's what knowledge. I had for 30 years is knowledge. And um, no, it wasn't until the Lord, you know, kicked down the doors of my heart and just saved me, uh, graciously saved me. And, um, open my eyes to his truth. And, and, and that's my prayer, you know, for those in my family. I, I, I do believe that there are, you know, some people in my family you know, that are saved, you know, even though we may not theologically align on, on many different things, but 
Um, but there's a, a strong or a big group of them that I have serious reasons to doubt, um, primarily because I used to be just like that. And I, and I know um, what it's like to fool yourself into thinking that you're saved when you're truly not. Just because you have the head knowledge uh, doesn't doesn't mean anything. Amen. But thank you for having me, Arlenis. This was this was such a joy, and and I really appreciate uh, this opportunity. Yeah, it's been a a great joy just to get to know you and Jim. Uh, um, So it's it's just been a blessing. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind just closing us in prayer. Oh, sure, absolutely. Father, we just come before you now this evening, and we. just praise you for your goodness. We praise you for your grace. And we praise you for the the relationships of people that you've put in our lives that uh, we get to experience here on this earth. I thank you for Grace Church and John MacArthur and the ministry that he has. I thank you for the people at Grace that we have come to know over the last uh, few years that have just been such an uh, encouragement to us. Lord, we thank you for for saving us. We thank you for coming down to this earth, virgin born, living a sinless, perfect life and dying on the cross for our sins. So that way we may have life eternal through you and through your sacrifice. Lord, we just ask that if there's anybody within the sound of our voices that hears this podcast now or 10 years from now, Lord, that if they are not saved and have not repented of their sins, that, Father, you would grant them repentance, that you would grant them faith, saving faith, that they would come to know your Son. We ask, Father, that you would continue to bless Arlie and her husband and her podcast, and that they would reach people for your kingdom. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless them and the work they do. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.